Hi, John. Hi, Irina. How are you? I'm all right. How are you? Very good indeed. Thank you. So you and I are chatting and maybe people are looking and they're like, what are these two people uh, talking? So what are we doing here? Well, there's so much information coming our way at the moment regarding remote, hybrid, distributed work, nomads, legal jurisdictions, traveling all over the world, blah, blah, blah. But I think what we need to do is take stock for a second. There are tons of opinions out there, but there's also tons of data. And I think having a regular look at some of the noises that are out there and seeing which is a noise and which is a signal. So here we are literally on the third anniversary of when the shutters went down. And I think the best way to look at the landscape is there has been this tectonic plate shift in all aspects of work. And it's, you know, you've got to step back and think what has actually changed. So let's cast our mind back three and a half years pre-pandemic. The concept of you sending somebody uh, an invite to a video call in another company, it really, it was probably rude. It was probably a little bit forward. Now, the prospect of actually having a, an audio only call is actually quite weird. So you've got to understand change. So this, there's been this massive continuum of change over the last three years. It has been forced upon us. And I think we've got to take stock of what is good, what is bad, what is actually long-term and sticking, and what is the bullshit that's out there that's being signaled by people with vested interests. So if we can actually unpack some of that, I think we'll have something that will provide really good, a really good contribution to the discourse. Excellent. So we certainly haven't had any shortage of uh, things over the last couple of weeks. Um, what were the things that stood yeah. out for you um, okay. in the last weeks? A great example is towards the end of, uh, of January, and we will post all of this information and the links will be available in the, in the meeting, in the, in the notes. But there was an article in Forbes at the end of January written by a guy called Jack Kelly, senior contributor. And the headline was that CEOs will be clamping down on employees. And this was really leaning into essentially the tech CEOs, you know, your David Solomon from Goldman Sachs, the Morgan Stanley guy, James Gorman, Jamie Dimon from JP Morgan. And clearly these were CEOs who never really embraced remote work, them personally. But what I want to actually separate a second is that the empirical data that has been provided on the fintech industry shows that the fintech industry is the fastest adopter of remote work. So what, what's happening here is you have the C-suite folks saying remote work isn't working, yet predominantly their company and other companies are the quickest adopters. So what's actually happening? And Irina, I think it's the most simple, basic human thing. What they're saying is, it isn't working for us as a management team. And I'm not going to be even more deliberate in my comment. It isn't working for this age demographic. So for senior leaders who are in their 50s, and I'm going to be pejorative here and call them male, pale, and stale, who have never worked really outside of an office environment, 
to try to get them to reinvent themselves in the, let's call it the last 10 years of their career. Um, it's quite difficult, but if you're a, you know, somebody in, in the early stages of their career and suddenly you've been dislocated and having had to work from home and you've done it quite successfully and you're now fairly well ingrained in that mode of operation, it is a very hard proposition to have somebody announce, come down from the mountain with the tablets and announce, thou shalt come back to the office to make me feel good. And that's really what's happening here. And so you'll, you'll see some publications with clickbait headlines like that and talking about the fact that employees don't have the bargaining power and people are going to come back to the office. But I'd like to remind everybody that what's actually happened in the last two years is there's been a constant, constant uh, feeding of information from CEOs talking about return to work, the, the, these RTO, return to office mandates. Let's be really honest. They're not working. You know, there's small incremental changes in the number of people who are the amount of the number of people who are actually coming back into offices. But it has largely settled with about 10 percent of people fully remote, approximately, you know, 55 percent of people who are um, absolutely wedded to an office because of the nature of their job, the nature uh, when I mean office to work as a place, you know, be it a, a policeman, a, a teacher, a nurse, whatever. So you've got that 10 who are fully remote, 55 who are fully office, and then this 35 or so in the middle who are in this nebulous sort of um, crazy place in the middle called hybrid, and we can unpack that in a second. So th that's really what's happening right now. And you've got this tug of love or tug of war between with this group and as the the office-based folks who are leaning towards the office are trying to move as many of that hybrid group back into the office and i think that is a challenge that is going to be too much for any of them and history will of course five years time somebody's going to come back and look at this and go they were either right or wrong i would think that uh the the, the numbers in hybrid are actually going to get bigger and not smaller and there is there is data to back your uh, what some may call opinion, um, yep. but it's actually the data driven um, observation, which uh, Nick Bloom's work from home research, Correct. which has been doing pretty much since the start of the pandemic um, and releases updated reports every month. That's kind of what's it showing. Um, Correct. And, um, as, as you mentioned, we will share this in, in the notes and, you know, highly recommend everyone to have a look at it if you haven't. But what I found really interesting in the latest iteration um, for from February 2023, uh, 2023 is there's this one slide, which is this is what people want. This is what companies are actually doing. And to me, this is this is the really big um, this is a really big determinant or should we, should we not do this? And I think you brought a really good point. There may be a lot of motivations that we're not really certain about why they're coming and they're saying these things. Oh, yep. you know, it's better for productivity, better for connectivity. A, there isn't really data to back it up, which is probably the biggest problem. It's like, if you are, if, if that's the case, show us the data. How do you know that people are more productive? 
on the on the flip side of that, you have articles um, as um, another one in Fortune saying, oh, remote workers are now working seven days a week. So if it's productivity you're after, it's actually remote work that's Correct. going to use more productivity. Um, so I think it's, it's important to, you know, as people read this to see, okay, there may be some things I don't know about. You know, there's a lot of corporate speak about how great it is for people to feel connected. And I'm going to be the first person to raise my hand, as uh, you can probably hear from the echoey noise. I am actually in an office. That's my choice. I come to the office five days a week. I have found it to work for me. But I am not going to stand and say, hey, this is best for everyone, because it's, because it's not. But I'm actually going to flip it around. You're probably more of a hybrid worker than an office-based worker because you're not in the same office all of the time. You tend to go to a variety of different places. Um, so that really is the essence of the hybrid nature of work, which is you're not tethered to a specific office. I'm lucky. I, I'm, I'm um, operating from home and uh, I also move around quite a bit. So, you know, I'll probably be, we'll probably do this from multiple locations over the next couple of months. So it'll be interesting. But um, you made a couple of interesting points there about productivity. I want to just drill down on one of them. Um, and this is dealt with in the work from home, WFHresearch.com piece on a monthly basis. There has been a lot of academic research over the course of the last 11 to 12 years. Chris, or, or um, Nick Bloom has been following this since around 2011, 12. He wrote the seminal paper on all aspects of work from home which was on a Chinese company called C-Trip back in 2012, 2013. And he has built upon that research. And like, as you mentioned, it comes out every month and it's an excellent, an excellent body of research. But he's been very clear and has had all of the work peer reviewed by other academics, very clearly said that there is a productivity bump, a positive productivity bump. Um, typically, an employee who's working from home is is stripping back the commute time. And that commute time equates to a fairly significant amount of time. I think it's 72 minutes a day, I think, is the, is the number. And of that, they went and looked a little bit further and said, how much of that time is the employee using for their own personal stuff or investing, let's say, back into the company by doing work? And it's about 30 minutes of work and 42 minutes of personal. So clearly it's more productive. So the data would indicate, sorry, not would indicate, the data says there is more time being done. On the flip side is you have the loneliness factor. So some aspect of productivity gains are eroded by, by, by challenges that people have through loneliness, um, through lack of interaction. So on balance, and the research would indicate that it's at worst, it's a push. At worst, it's even. Now, if you have something that's completely, let's just say it's even, yet you have people really happy with their change in location and you haven't impacted productivity, as a CEO or a leader, what would you do? For the sake of the same amount of productivity, would you drag everybody back? Would you drag everybody back into a 2017, 18, 19 continuum? No. The opportunity here is to move forward. And one of the most important aspects here 
of moving forward is to think of the technology advance. So again, let's go back to February 2020. People weren't using Zoom that often. Google Meet was a product that needed a lot more smoothing out. Microsoft Teams, good product, but you know, needed a lot of work. Over the course of the last three years, those three products in particular have had a lot of technology and a lot of, um, a lot of dev work been done, and they're far better, far smoother, far, far more robust products. So draw the line forward another two or three years. The quality is getting infinitely better. And with both the hardware and the software, we're going to find that it is, it's becoming so much easier for people to interact. That's number one. From a behavior perspective, we're all now used to the protocols of working from home, the protocols of being on a video conference call, understanding what's an acceptable interruption, what's an acceptable amount of background noise. We all, we all many people have better sound systems, better cameras, etc. That's where the investment has been, and it's been great. It's been wonderful to watch that change because people are kind of pulling themselves up to a, a level where, you know, a lot of people, you, you, in some companies, the standard of production is actually quite, is quite incredibly good. Uh, and that's to be applauded. And that's their companies that are making an effort to make it really work for all employees. So Dick, Nick Bloom was actually asked a question in one of the recent, uh, in a recent podcast. And he was asked, well, what do you think is going to be in place in 10 years time? And he actually reckons that it'll be a 10, 40, 50 split, 10% fully remote, 40% hybrid, and 50% of people in a place. Let's call that an office. Now, just think again, 10, 40, 50. Three years ago, that was 5.95. So the five has doubled to 10 people working essentially fully remote. And then you have this enormous category, which really wasn't a category before because a lot of companies had flexibility, but they didn't have a term for it. We now have this big category of hybrid 40% that has come about. That is the change. And as a CEO, if you ignore that, or if you're a leader, a director, a manager, whatever type of leader you are, if you ignore that change and try to, you know, do the King Canute and you know, tell the tide not to come in. Guess what? You're going to drown. We want to end somewhere here. Um, and we'll talk again in a couple of weeks. But basically, the conclusion that we want to leave um, anyone listening or watching this with is um, think a little bit more when you read things. Ask tough questions. Ask, like, where's the data that proves this? Are there other maybe slightly hidden reasons for the big claims? What else? So a, a great example of, of that, just, to, just to, to, to jump on that point. When you see a strong opinion being offered by a CEO right, or a strong claim being offered by a CEO, let's have a look to see what data is backing it up. Uh, Andy Jassy from Amazon said in, a, in an open letter to the employees that he, he, he believed that uh, they need to come into the office to collaborate better. But there's no data provided to, 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 to uh, support that. Um, and that's what, we, what people need to do. Look for the data. Lean in on what I would call properly 
academically sourced and peer-reviewed data. Be careful of data. Always look to see who has paid for the research. So whenever you see data that talks about the fact that the real estate market is still robust and still moving forward, go and have a look to see who paid for the data. And if you find that it's a real estate broker or somebody deeply enmeshed in the real estate business is actually paying for it, then you need to take that with a grain of salt. And this is what this is this is the main purpose of this discussion is to have a look. This is to be the mythbusters. And what is an opinion and what is data? So let's call ourselves the bullshit detectors. That's it. It's a it's a team of two, the bullshit detectors. Thanks very much, John. I'll chat to you in a few weeks. Great stuff. Thank you.